Thank you for listening to this chapel message, originally presented at Clark Summit University in Clark Summit, Pennsylvania. With more than 70 on-campus and online programs, Clark Summit University prepares Christ-centered, career-ready graduates to make a difference around the world. We hope this is an encouragement to you today. Hey, our speaker today is uh, Pastor Mark Ramirez. And uh, Pastor Ramirez is, uh, well, since he was younger, a lot younger, uh, he's lived over what people who live around here call the Back Mountain. Uh, you know, it's a little to our west, a little to our south, and uh, the other side of Wilkesbury, lived in the, in the city of Dallas. He went to high school there, graduated from Misericordia University, and uh, went, went to, to work for about 10 years. And then God said, different plans. And uh, 2000. Four-ish, right, Mark? There was, uh, was when God took you into pastoral ministry, degree from Liberty, and uh, he's the lead pastor at Fellowship Baptist Church in Dallas. We've got students from the church, we've got staff in the church, and uh, Mark has become a, a friend whose ministry we respect. Thanks for taking the time to come over and minister to the students this morning. Let's welcome him. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. Well, good morning, everyone. It is really good to be here. Uh, good morning to uh, Clark Summit University. And also, I think it's fair uh, for me to start by just saying congratulations to your girls' basketball team. Um, that's uh, awesome, and I wish you guys uh, the best. In, it's the championship game, right, on Saturday? So I wish you all uh, the best as you, uh, as you move forward in uh, a championship. That's not an easy thing to do. Um, so um, I wanted to just tell you a little bit um, uh, about me, just just a very little bit. Uh, Jim already mentioned uh, some, but I'm the lead pastor of uh, Fellowship Church in uh, in Dallas, which is not too far from here. Uh, I've been there about 16 years, and um, as I was thinking about that, it's kind of surreal for me to even mention that I've been there that long. Uh, that time has really flown by, but uh, just grateful and thankful for the way that God has worked. Um, in our church and, uh, and through the ministry uh, of our church. And um, I also had the opportunity to, uh, this past uh, fall, we had um, one of uh, you, Josh uh, Cheatham. Where is Josh? Um, there he is, right there. Uh, serve in our church as an intern. And uh, so it was a real blessing uh, to be able to uh, minister um, and, and see Josh uh, kind of come uh, up through our church, and then uh, give his life to, to Christ, and now give his life uh, to the calling of full-time ministry. So a real blessing for us to be a part of that. Um, I wanted to uh, tell you just a little bit um, about my, uh, my family. So this is my wonderful family um, at my daughter's wedding last summer. So we planned a wedding during the pandemic. I don't recommend that, uh, but uh, it was difficult to do, but we were able uh, to get through it. And uh, so from left to right, that's me. It's my wife, Stephanie, my daughter, Julia, who was married last June, and her husband, Logan. Um, my daughter, Gabriella, who uh, got engaged, and so she's getting married in May. So two weddings in 11 months, um, not easy to do. So I should make a GoFundMe available and you guys could donate. But, um, and then my, uh, my, my son, Mark uh, Jr., who's the youngest but the tallest, and uh, he'll be graduating from high school um, in, in June. So very thankful uh, to God for the, for the family God has blessed me with. Um, I wanted to just give you a, a, little, bit of, a little bit more of, of my background. Um, I was born in uh, Brooklyn, New York. Any, anybody from Brooklyn here today? All right, we got, we got one. Park Slope uh, for me. 
Um, and my uncle, my uncle Gil, who lived on, uh, he lived on Staten Island, and um, he, he got saved at a Billy Graham crusade at Madison Square Garden in uh, 1957. And so in 1957, Billy Graham had this crusade at Madison Square Garden. So many people came, they had to turn people away. So they actually did it another night. So many people came that night that they turned them away and they did it a third night. And um, I'm thankful for that because uh, my uncle gave his life to Christ and his whole life uh, changed and he shared the gospel with um, my mom, who is uh, his sister. And uh, he did that for years um, and years. And she finally gave her life to Christ. And then she continued to share the gospel with my dad who was very uh, hostile to the gospel. He was not happy at all that my mom had given her life to Christ. And uh, he didn't like that she had become uh, religious and that uh, their life had already changed. And so he was very resistant and hostile uh, to the gospel. But uh, she was faithful and continued uh, to live her life. She was living a very different life. And so a lot of weird things were going on in our family at that time. I was kind of watching, seeing my mom who'd become different and my dad who was really resistant. But after several months, uh, God uh, broke him and he gave his life to Christ. And, and I got to tell you, from that day forward, everything in our family changed. I mean, everything. Everything I knew about our family was no longer the same. It was totally different. We were a part of the Roman Catholic Church. My brother and my sister went to Catholic school. It was just kind of the, the Spanish, uh, Puerto Rican thing to do. You went to Catholic uh, school. Even though we were really Catholics, more in name only, um, our house was a place where parties and, 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 and drinking and just hanging out uh, took place a lot. That just ended and stopped. And very soon after that, um, we ended up, my, my parents felt like God was calling our family to, uh, to move from Brooklyn, New York to Pennsylvania. And, and so they just felt like God was telling them that they needed to raise their family outside of the city, that they were not going to raise us as kids in the city. And so we ended up in, um, in Pennsylvania, and then the Lord eventually brought us to Northeast PA. And and I'm so thankful as I stand here uh, today to even do what it is that I'm doing, which I'm very thankful and privileged to be able to do and share with you today, but I'm so thankful for that change in my parents' life. So thankful because that changed everything for me. Their, their decision, I think about my uncle giving his life to Christ in 1957, that set a path forward, not just for him, but for my mom, my dad, and all of their children, and now my children, too. It's just amazing to see the work that God has done, uh, because my parents introduced us as kids to Christ. We gave our lives to Christ, and now continue to follow him. But all of that change that I'm talking about, all of it, was because of the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. He is the one who transformed completely my parents' life. He's the one who did that work in my parents. And tragically, I uh, lost my mom in October of 2020. 
2020 was a really rough year for, for uh, our family. We all pretty much got COVID and um, my mom was hospitalized at Geisinger in Wilkesbury. And it was one of those things where, you know, she's going in and, um, you know, she's going to get treatment and be back out. And we never saw her again. Um, she never came out. And that was so difficult, so difficult to lose uh, a parent like that in that situation, but to be separated and not even, we weren't even able to really be together and, and support each other because of all of this. And it was so hard and so difficult, but even as I stand here again today, I can tell you that because of the Lord's work in her life, because of the fact that the Spirit of God transformed her into someone completely different, I know I'm going to see her again. I know that I'm going to see her again. And it's this Holy Spirit that I would like to talk with you about today, the Holy Spirit. Um, I want to ask you a, a question. If I were to say to you, you know, who is the Holy Spirit to you? Um, you know, what would you, what would you say? How would you, how would you answer that? If I said to you, how does he work in your life specifically? You know, how would you, you know, how would you think uh, about that? Uh, the, the Christian life, the whole Christian life, what we're doing right now, what you're here for, the reason you're sitting in this room, the reason that you are at this school, all of it would really be without meaning, without purpose, if it wasn't for the, for the power, the presence, and the person of the Holy Spirit of God doing work in and through all of us. And yet, yet the Holy Spirit is so misunderstood. So misunderstood. Andrew Murray said, um, he said, in our preaching and uh, in our practice, the Holy Spirit does not hold that place of prominence that he has in God's plan and in his promises. In other words, the way that God sees the role of the Holy Spirit and even understands the promises of the Spirit to his people doesn't really seem that the Holy Spirit really plays that role in the lives of believers as he should. Michael Horton, who's a theologian, and some of you may have read his his book, Some Render the Spirit an Ecclesiastical Employee, Others Presume to Make the Spirit a Mascot for a Movement or a Prisoner of Their Own Private Experience. You see, this is part of that misunderstanding of, of who the Spirit of God is. Uh, Lifeway did a study a few years ago, and they found that 56% of self-identified evangelicals agree that the Holy Spirit is a force rather than a person. Think about that. 56% of self-identified evangelicals say the Holy Spirit of God is a force, not a person. It's no wonder there isn't going to be vitality and life in a believer without the understanding of the role of the Holy Spirit. 28% of evangelicals believe that the Spirit is a divine being, but not equal to God. Not equal to God the Father or to Jesus. So there's this misunderstanding again of who the Spirit is. 21% said, I'm not really sure. As if 
as if, you know, this, this, this understanding of Christianity could happen without understanding or knowing the Holy Spirit. Theologian Robert Leitner said that the biblical doctrine of the Holy Spirit, it suffers from three extremes. And, and, I, and I really think he, he nailed it on this. He said it suffers from three extremes. Abuse, neglect, and distortion. What we see with the Holy Spirit is there's abuse of the things that, that you know, we, we know or, or we think that we know. There's neglect of, of things that we either don't know, don't understand, and sometimes even the things that we do know. And then there's just distortion of it all. And, and, and so I, I personally think that this is one of the ways that Satan works to keep Christians from living spiritually alive, powerful lives of witness for the gospel. It's just, it's just I'm going to suppress the role of the Holy Spirit in your life, which means you're going to try to do this on your own. You're going to try to do it without his power, without his presence. And it's impossible to do that. Without his power, without his presence, we're just all bankrupt spiritually, all of us. So in the few minutes that we have together uh, today, here's my hope. My hope hope is to help you see that the Spirit of God works from the inside out. He desires to empower you. He, to to fuel your Christian life, your, your ministry, and all that you're doing, but he's going to do it through his indwelling presence. So I don't know, maybe, you know, it's possible that you can be in a Christian school studying Bible, even potentially in ministry, and feeling stuck spiritually, or just kind of going through the motions. Now I can assure you of this, The Spirit of God, if you're a believer, the Spirit of God in you does not seek whatsoever for you to go through the motions. So that's apart from what he's trying to do. And so my prayer today is just that that you would see the the, the power and the presence of the Spirit, his work, the desire he wants to, uh, the, the work he wants to do and what he desires to do in your life and that that would be just an encouragement to all of you today. So I just want to pray and ask, and ask God to, to lead in that. Lord God, I thank you for who you are. And Lord, we understand that without you, we are unable to understand truth. We need the presence of the Holy Spirit. We need the illumination of the Spirit in our lives for the Word of God to become uh, alive and for us to, uh, to respond to it the way we should. And so I pray for each and every student, every person that's here, Lord, wherever they are, whatever is going on in their life, I pray that you would speak to them and they would hear from you and it would lead to a richer walk with God in and through the powerful presence of the Holy Spirit. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to start very quickly with some basic but foundational truths of the Spirit. And, and, and I really do expect that most of you, if not all of you, already know these things. But because I'm going to build on them, I feel that I need to, uh, I need to mention them uh, quickly to you. So uh, 
first, uh, the Holy Spirit is God. I mean, I think, you know, we, we all obviously should know that. We're in a, we're in a Christian school, so that's something that, that, that you're, you're taught. The Holy Spirit is God. The triune God consists of three distinct persons, one of which is the Holy Spirit. Um, and so they're distinct. And by person, I don't mean person like us. Uh, I, I mean one who has their own identity, and uh, individuality as a, as a rational being, and, but yet distinct. Each person of the Trinity is fully God, including the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we make the Holy Spirit the lesser God in our lives. And, and that's not at all how the scriptures portray him. In fact, it was Jesus that said, I need to leave and it's to your advantage, he said, that I go because if I go, you're gonna, have, you're gonna receive the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, this fourth one, which is there's only one God. That's the one that makes it difficult for us to explain to other people and even to ourselves, right? How can all of this be true? And yet there's one unified God, Father, Son, and Spirit. A mystery, but truth. Now what I'm going to do is ask you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 14. And um, I'll also put it up here on the screen for you to see. But we're going to see what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. And here he refers to the Spirit as, as the paraclete. He does so four times in the upper room discourse uh, that he has. And, and so John 14 verse 15, he says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Now this last sentence is what I really want to focus on and have hopefully impact you with. You know him, Jesus said to his followers, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So remember, this is John 14. So Jesus is speaking to his followers, but this is before his death and resurrection and ascension, and of course, before the Spirit comes at at Pentecost. But for us, we're looking backwards and knowing that the Spirit of God has already come. And so what we see here is that Jesus gives us these instructions that point us to the personhood of the Spirit. You see, the Spirit of God is not an object, not a force. He's a person. Jesus refers to the Spirit first as a helper, comforter, advocate. All personal language. Again, Jesus uses this word paraclete, uh, translated as helper, as advocate, uh, as comforter, all of which are personal terms. Jesus does not want you to see your Christian life as existing in a relationship with the Holy Spirit where you see the Holy Spirit as some sort of object or force and not a person that empowers you for ministry. Second, and this is really where the focus is going to be, Jesus clearly teaches that the person of the Spirit is in us, is in in us. I love verse 17. You know him, Jesus says. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now for us, again, that, that's already happened. For these disciples, it was still to come. For us as believers who have trusted in Jesus Christ, that's what Jesus is saying. You know the Spirit He's made his dwelling with you, and he's in you. 
He literally makes his dwelling with us. He remains with us, and he does so in us. So he's not around us. He's not hiding from us. He's in us. 1 Corinthians 6.19, you, you're probably familiar with it, right? The, the scripture says there that our, that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, which is why we, we treat our bodies in a certain way and take care of them in a certain way, in a way that's pleasing to God because it is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 3.20, which is quoted all the time, right? That's a verse we love to quote. We love to quote it because it's now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or imagine. And that's usually where we focus on, right? We're going we're gonna to do far more than we, than we can even imagine or think. But there's a key part to that verse that we kind of gloss over or lose sight of. And that is according to the power that is at work. Where? Within us. So yeah, you, there is this, there is this uh, ability to do far more than we can even ask or, or, or think or imagine, but it's according to the power that is at work within us, and the power that is at work within us is the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us, not outside of us. And so because the Spirit of God is in us, it means something. It, it, it means something to you, it means something to me, and it certainly meant something to Jesus. It impacts how he works in us, and so how does he work in us? The Spirit of God. Well, because the Spirit is in us and not outside of us, he works from the inside out. Because the Spirit is in us and not outside of us, he works from the inside out. And I think, honestly, we forget that sometimes. The Spirit dwells in us, he works in us, and he lives through us, but he's doing it from the inside out. His presence is not a mystical smoke. It's not some mystical force that we're trying to to, you know, to get a sense of. That's not, that's not what it is. We're not, we're not seeking the presence of the Spirit to surround us like walls in a room. For Jesus, that's not good enough. We're, we're asking the indwelling Spirit of God within us to do work. And we're asking him to allow the power that is within us to flow out of us. But that flow comes from the inside out. He's not looking Sometimes I think we, we think that, that the Spirit of God is looking for a place to fill. He's looking for a body to fill. A person who will walk according to his ways and sensitive to his leading and aware that he is there and present. So when you, when you walked in here today or when you come for chapel you, you shouldn't walk into the room and be looking up into the, into the rafters and be like, oh, I think, oh, there he is. He's, he's over there today, and we're going to get him to come out. We're going to do things here that's going to make the Spirit come out. That the Spirit is in us. That's what Jesus is saying. He has given him to us. And so what I'd like to do in, for the rest of our time is just 
to help you see this even more clearly is I want to give you some evidences that may demonstrate that we're seeing the Spirit as a force that works from the outside in instead of a person that works from the inside out. So maybe, maybe part of why you might feel stuck or kind of just going through the motions is that you're, you're possibly seeing the Spirit in a distorted way. Is it possible that maybe you seem too much as a force and not as a person? So let these evidences hopefully help you. And uh, there uh, are four of them that I would like to, uh, to share with you. The first one is this. Uh, you seek the power and the gifts of the Spirit while ignoring the person of the Spirit. You seek the power and the gifts of the Spirit but ignore the person of the Spirit. Do you just seek the, the Spirit as the provider of the power that you want, the gifts that you want, so you approach him as almost like a divine vending machine or a, uh, he's like a divine genie and he's there to grant you wishes. You know, have you ever met or been with a person who, who uses people, you know, for what they want to, to get out of them? That, that's not how we are to treat the Holy Spirit. Purpose in your heart to, to, to seek the person of the Spirit, not just the gifts, not just the power, not just the fruit, like, I just want the fruit, but, but the fruit flows as, as we know him. That's why Jesus said, you know him. He dwells with you. He's in you. And as we do that, we unleash his power within us. Second, another, another evidence is that you see the power in the presence of the Spirit as an emotional experience that you're just trying to repeat. If you're, if your understanding of the Spirit moving in your life is nothing more than how you feel, something's wrong. And that may be why you feel like I'm not really, things aren't really exciting for me, my spiritual life isn't going anywhere because I don't feel Him. And so what you've done is you've associated the presence of the Spirit with a feeling. And so in the words of the band Boston, which I'm dating myself, more than a feeling is right. He's more than a feeling. We, we, we cannot reduce the spirit to just feelings and emotion. You cannot judge the spirit's presence in you based on how you feel or, you just, or your emotion. So if you're emotionally high, then the spirit's working. If you're emotionally low, then apparently he's not or he's not even present. Now, the Spirit can produce emotion in us, but He is much more than just feeling and emotion. We need to see Him for who He is, so do not equate an emotional high with Spirit-empowered living. Third, you see the power of the Spirit as something you need to learn to wield. You see the power of the Spirit as something you need to learn to wield. This is, this is kind of like what I refer to as like the Jedi Knight approach uh, to the Holy Spirit. You know, like we're, we, we approach the Holy Spirit like we're Luke Skywalker or, or Ray. You know, we're trying, we're trying to control the power of the force, you know, within us. That's not the Holy Spirit. That, we're, we're, not, we're not Jedi Knights trying to wield the force for good. We're not Thanos, you know, trying to control the infinity gauntlet. And, and it's just so powerful. And, and how do we control it? No, the Spirit's not a force. 
for humans to learn to wield. We're not trying to wield his power or control his power. He is a person indwelling us, a person that we submit ourselves to in all things. And as we do that, his power flows through us. It's such a different approach. It, in, in, it's really life-changing to, to understand this in terms of living your Christian life. And then fourth, and finally, you treat the power and the presence of the Spirit as something that can be conjured or summoned from the outside in. And this is the approach that seems to think that the Spirit is a force outside of us, like I said, somewhere in the rafters. He's a force floating around us. And we have to do things and we have to say the right things and the force and the power shows up. We're not sorcerers. We're not trying to get the Spirit's power to appear and do stuff for us. That's not who he is. We're not wizards, you know, trying uh, to do these kinds of things. We do not uh, create environments that just make him appear He's not a show performer that when you do the right things, he shows up and just does his thing. Now, as a pastor who, who leads in worship services and works with, a, with, our, with our worship pastor, yeah, we do try to create environments in our worship services that remove distraction. That's how we like to talk about it. We're trying to remove distraction to allow people to focus fully on God and to worship him wholeheartedly. But we're not enchanters. We're not conjuring the Spirit to appear. The Spirit of God indwells us. He does not need to be conjured or summoned. Jesus has already given him to us. And I think one of the big lies of Satan is that, that that's, he tries to not have that be a reality for us. You know him. He's in you. So, we're not to be searching for the elusive presence of the Spirit. He's not hiding from us in the ocean, the sky, or space. He's not trapped somewhere in the atmosphere, uh, somewhere waiting for us to conjure him out. He's not looking to even fill the air. He's looking to fill people. Believers who are willing to submit themselves fully to him. And when that happens, there is power in your life. So I want to encourage you. We are to acknowledge his presence within us. He, he seeks to draw us closer to the Father, to mold us into the likeness of the Son, and he does all of that to the glory of God. But when we misunderstand him, when we treat him like an object or force or some mystical fog around us, we undermine his divinity. And we mistake mushy emotional feeling as the Spirit instead of embracing the powerful person of the Spirit within us, a person, not a force, a person, not a feeling. So I have two final questions for you to consider, a wrong one and a right one. Here's the wrong question. The wrong question is, how can I get more of the Holy Spirit? It's the wrong question. It assumes wrong theology. He's not an object that you receive in parts. He's a person. That at salvation, you received as a deposit. You don't ask how much of the Spirit you can have. You already have Him. But here's the right question. The right question is, how can the Holy Spirit have more of me? How can you allow the Holy Spirit of God 
in you, the spirit in you to have more of you because that's what he wants. You don't need more of him. You already have him, but how can he have more of you? Because he desires to work in your life from the inside out. So we're not on mission to find the elusive spirit. It's not a treasure hunt. The spirit is on mission to have complete reign and control of us. And he's doing all of that for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's his ministry. His ministry is to glorify the Son. And he does that by empowering believers for ministry and service and living lives for Christ. And all of that brings pleasure to the Father. So the Spirit's not outside you trying to get in. He's inside of you. Again, if you're a believer, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he is the Lord of your life, you've confessed your sin, you've asked Christ to forgive you, then he has given you his spirit. And the spirit of God is seeking to have his presence flow out of you. So that's my encouragement for you today. He dwells within you, he's taken up residence in you, and his mission is to transform you. But he's going to do that from the inside out. And I hope that that, if if you've been stuck in any way or just feeling like you're going through the motions, that that's an encouragement to you in your Christian walk. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful to you that you have not left us alone. That's what you said. You said it is to our advantage that you go because you're going to give us a helper, an advocate, a comforter the Spirit of God. I pray for each and every person that's here that has committed their life to Christ to leave here, to leave this room with with just this amazing reality that the presence of God is within them in the person of the Holy Spirit and he desires to work in them, but the work he's gonna do is gonna start from the inside and it's gonna work out. May we all submit ourselves to the Spirit in all things. Because we know if we do, then we'll be living lives that bring glory to Christ. And it's in his name that I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Clark Summit University's Chapel Series. Visit www.clarksummitu.edu to learn more about CSU. Become a Christ-centered, career-ready graduate through on-campus and online degree programs. Look for us on social media at Clark Summit U and share your feedback.